Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Good morning. Our scripture today is Romans 1, 18 through 25, and if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one from under the seat in front of you and turn to page 939. My name is Amy Curry, and I serve as a deacon of the Senior Care Ministry, and my husband and I lead a discipleship group. We have been covenant members of the Door Church for four years. Again, we're in Romans 1, 18 through 25. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse." For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than, the crea- rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. This is the word of God. Thank you, Amy. Um, like I said, we'll be in Romans 1, chapter 18 through 25. If you're new here, my name is Scott Brooks. I'm the lead pastor on the preaching team. Super glad that uh, you're with us. We're in the book of Romans. We'll be here for some time. Uh, so we'll go to Advent during Christmas time. They'll come back to Romans, and so uh, Romans one is 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 a is I mean, it's theologically rich. There's a lot here, uh, and super excited to to get to unpack it with you this uh, morning. Uh, the sermon title this morning is humility of exaltation. Uh, the humility of exaltation, and uh, so Romans one, particularly this pa- uh, part, is about uh, really the the fall of humanity. If you know the Bible, uh, God created in Genesis one, and everything was good. He made um, uh, man and woman in his image and likeness. Uh, we're made by God for God to display God, his character to, to the world. Uh, we know that, that um, the, uh, Satan entered the scene and he deceived Adam and Eve with a lie and they believed uh, that, that they didn't need God, that they could, uh, they could determine what is right and wrong and what is true and they, they put themselves in place of God and, and th- that led to the fall. And then, so we see a fracture a brokenness that entered into the world because of humanity's sin in uh, Genesis chapter 3. And this is like the double-clicking of Genesis 3. What does that fall look like? What does that brokenness look like? Where's the, what's the scope of that reach? Uh, and so this is a really, um, it's a heavy passage, but also a beautiful passage because it answers a lot of our big questions. Because a lot of questions that people think about, ask, and, and talk about, if you've had any conversations about God with other people, a lot of people say, well, God couldn't be good, and they fill in the blank. Because something's happened in the life, or they see a circumstance going on, or because of culture, say, this can't, God can't be good, because if there was a good God, then this. 
Or some people are just like, man, this just can't be a God because it doesn't make sense of what I see or experience. And uh, this, this, this passage really answers, like, how could there be a good God and things happen like this? How, how is God letting uh, things happen as they have? Uh, also, uh, this answers the question a lot of people like, man, we don't like to talk about the wrath of God. Well, and that's in the, that's in the first verse. Like, you got to do, do something with that, right? And so this tells us why is there the wrath of God and how could there be a hell? And then this, this passage is ex- extremely helpful for, for a lot of big questions I think we all ask or encounter because it helps us understand uh, the nature of our fall and the nature of sin and how that has unraveled things. And so uh, the, the overall thrust of, of, of verse 1, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against what all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. The, the, the problem with humanity is that we've rebelled against a righteous holy God. That's the problem. And the idea of rebel is we have an exalt, exaltation of self. So when I say that we're sinners, sinners means that we have put ourselves in place of God. That, that's that's the, the, what the whole passage is really about, is that God is God, he is creator, he is sustainer, and sin is like, you know what, we believe that we can be self-sovereign, that we can take the place of God, and we can rule, and we don't need you, God. And so what happens is as we exalt self, this is ungodliness. This is the nature of all sin, is us taking the position of God, us trying to be self-sovereign. So we think about this all, all the time in our life. We think that we dictate everything about our lives. We, we, we can control what happens, what doesn't happen. We all have God complexes, not some of us, all of us, apart from the Spirit of God, we think we, we know what's right. So if you've ever read your Bible and you read in Judges, you're like, it, 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 it's a mess. If you read Judges, it's a mess. And the whole problem is what? Everyone was, did, did was right what, in their own eyes. This is, this is our God complex. If you ask someone their opinion, what? They have one. <laughs> and that is the taking the place of God. Really, we should submit ourselves to God because it's his opinion that matters. He's the author, the authority. But we all think that we are the authority. Now, we are made in God's image and likeness. He's, he's allowed us to... to Rule on his behalf. And the idea of being made in his image like us, we are supposed to bring about his love, his justice, his generosity. We are, we are sub-creators, under the creator. We are meant to show what it looks like, uh, who, who God looks like in his very character and nature. But as we take the position of God and we do what we want, man, we run everything, everything. So you're like, man, what's wrong with the world? We are. That, that, that's the problem. Because everyone's like, hey, culture seems to be out of place. It's like, no, we have taken the place of God, and that leads to all unrighteousness. It seems subtle. Like, just, I'm going to do what I want. It's like, well, that's not that big of a deal. It's a huge deal. Like, who are you? Do you know what's right and wrong? Do you know what's good? Do you know design? The answer to that is no. And so us taking the place of God leads to all forms of unrighteousness. The sin of pride leads to all sorts of decay. See, we are supposed to represent God and in, 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 in acting under God, but ungodliness is taking the position of God. And what, why there is oppression in the world, injustice in the world, brutality in the world, violence in the world, uh, decay in the world, is why? 
because we've taken the place of God. And we can't be God. Only God can be God. And we see this unraveling of God's good creation because of our sin nature, that we think that we could be God. And we've just made a mess of things. So another way that we can look at that is like the biggest problem in your life is who? It's always you. It's always you. We don't like to think that because that takes too much responsibility. And that's why we don't like the wrath of God because like, oh, we'll blame God. No, God's good. God's holy. God's righteous. We are the ones that have the problem. And so as you look at this, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men. This is good news. You're like, what's good news about God's wrath? God's holy. That means he's set, set apart. He's only good. Not sometimes. He's only good. He's righteous. He's just. He's sovereign. He's loving. And so when God sees his, his, his world in chaos, he's, his wrath is saying, I'm not okay with it. So you can never look at the injustice in the world like God's okay with it. He's not okay with it. You can never say that's what he did. No, that's not what he did. That's what we have done. And so a divine wrath is a natural expression of his divine nature to his absolute holiness. And it's manifesting against willful, high-handed, deliberate, inexcusable sin and iniquity of mankind. God's wrath is always just and proper response. To, to, to our sin and all unrighteousness. This is, and he says, for the wrath of God is revealed. It's saying there will be judgment. And so a lot of us think right here always about the act of wrath of God, and that's a thing. Once you die, there will be judgment. Everyone will be judged according to what they've done, what they've thought, and their motivations of their heart. There will be a judgment day. That's, there'll be an active wrath of God, and there will be, it says the wage of sin is death. There is hell for punishment. Now, that is the act of wrath of God, that God is storing up justice to people who deserve that, 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 um, that wrath. Now, what this passage is, is talking about is the passive wrath of God. So he is not bringing immediate judgment, but the passive wrath of God and the act of wrath of God is kindness because he's going to eradicate injustice and sin in the world. But the passive wrath of God is, is also very kind because it says it's revealed in verse 24. It talks about this. It says, therefore, God gave them up. So he's just, it's a turning over. And so the passive wrath of God, it's like, oh, you want to be God? Go try that on. If you've ever done that with a kid, like, oh, you think you, think you know? All right, we'll see how that works out. And as, you're, as you see someone who thinks they can do something, don't, how, they just make a mess of it. And God, in his kindness, allows us to experience it, what it looks like when we're God, which a lot of hurt to self, a lot of hurt to others, a lot of decay. And it's like, this is what happens when you try to be God. It's a kindness of God. Why? Because you can start to see like, man, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not able to do those things. And the, the hope there, the hope of this is repentance. It's God's kindness. I'm, so in another way to say this, the pastor out of God it's, it's, it's God allowing you to experience you as God and, and what you allow. And the hope this morning, I've been even, I was praying about it this morning, is I hope that some of us would just get tired of trying to be God. Just tired of it. Like, you're so anxious. You're so out of control. You're destroying yourself, destroying others by how you're using your life, your time, your money, whatever, and you're like, I'm just tired of it. That's actually a great place to be. 
Why? Because there's repentance there. There's a turning. There's a, a submission to possibly the grace of God that's afforded to those that just say, man, a, a, a dethroning of self is all that is. And that is a beautiful thing. Now, what happens as the past of wrath of God happens, there's, there's a guarantee, a decay that you're bringing about in your own life. So again, what's wrong with the world? We are. <laughs> you are. What's wrong with our relationships? You are. Um, and what happens is as you, God, God allows you to reap what you sow, there's always guilt. Like you feel guilty. Like there is a sentencing and there's a, there's a consciousness. That, I mean, I feel, I feel guilt, but there's also shame and what happens is we suppress the truth. We try to like, we know that there's a God. We know there's accountability. We know we, we've sinned. We're like, we're going to try to push it down. Why? Because we don't want to deal with it. We don't even know what, we don't know how to deal with the wrath of God that we deserve. We don't know how, why I'm so offensive to you right now. Is you're like, what do I do with that I'm, I'm the problem? Like you're telling me that I, I, don't even, I don't even know what to do. So we push it down. That doesn't make it not true. It just, it, it's the ostrich approach. I'm going to stick my head in the ground. It's like, ah, it's not going on. No, it's going on. Um, I did that in college. I grew up in a, a church family. We went to church. I didn't know the Lord. And, uh, you know, I even would go to church. and I'd play the church game. But then I'd do my own thing and destroying myself and others. And, you know, I had a high school reunion. Didn't go to. So probably was like, I don't, I don't, really, I don't really see all those people. Um, anyway, that's, that wasn't the first one to come back. The idea, though, is I put my head in the ground, and at a time in my life, I just say, man, I'm, I'm more agnostic. Did I actually believe there wasn't a God? Well, no, I didn't actually believe that. I didn't want to deal with God. I didn't know what to deal I couldn't deal with myself. So I had to pretend like there wasn't. I suppress the truth, and it kind of gets into what that looks like for all humanity. Just so you know, you'll never meet someone who's actually an atheist. You just won't. And I'm not saying that they don't actually believe there's not a God, because I... In our spiritual blindness and our ignorance, I, I do believe people believe that, but they're without excuse. They're without excuse. Like, even though, like, I, in college I said I was an agnostic, like, I, I knew better. Like, I, it was plain to me. I knew who God was. And so verses really 19 and 20 tells us what it looks like of suppression of truth. Another way to look at it, everyone in here, whether you're a believer or not, you know there's a God. You know there's a God, and in some ways you just don't want to believe in him. So let's look at what it says in verse 19. For what can be known about God, what is plain to them? That means clear, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible, invisible attributes, namely, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so they were without excuse. So it's plain without excuse. Why? Because the things in creation scream what? Creator. So what? A very simple illustration. If I invited you over, you say, you know, I'm an atheist and we cook an amazing meal and we brought it out and like you're eating it and you're enjoying it and you're like, man, who made this? Like no one. You'd be like, well, hold on. Someone made this. Why? Because creation just doesn't happen. There's always a creator. It's like, well, no, Scott, I believe in a big bang. Like, you know, but well, who started that? Like this, someone had to cause it. Like something had to cause it. There had to be a creator of creation. No matter how you parse it out, you believe that. And so you're without excuse. Then it goes on. There's a divine nature. So not only does creation prove there's a creator, everyone believes this. You're like, everyone, deep, you know, we may have a, um, 
a, 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 conflict, a conflicted heart, but we believe it. We know if there's creation, there's a creator, but there's a divine, a divine beauty to it, a divine nature. So what, what, what I mean by that? And what I think it was talking about is like, science actually proves there's a God. You're like, well, how does that work? Well, there is, God is a God of order, a creation, and there's design. And you can observe design. You're actually like, oh, it works this way. You know why? Because someone made it. That's why. Like my son, Deacon, who's eight, is like, hey, dad, you know, there is, you know, there could be three uh, forms of water. It can be vapor. It can be, it can be a solid. And it can be liquid. Know, know how we know that? Because we've observed it over time. It always happens. You, you boil water, well, it's going away. If you freeze water, it becomes a solid. Why? Because there's a creator behind it. There's a designer. There's a physical reality that testifies there's a creator of order. Even more clear is there's beauty in the world. <laughs> I mean, I was at, I was hanging out with my mom and we we're sitting on our back porch and there's butterflies flying everywhere in our garden. And it's like, it was beautiful. They were, I mean, just to look at how they float and, and, and the, the, the color on them, like, and I sound, I don't know, maybe more hipster or sensitive. It's just beautiful watching a butterfly. It's like, God, there is a creator and it's beautiful. If you have a kid, you can't look at him like, oh, that, that came from nothing. Yeah, this, they're just some human you know, biology, that's it. No, that's a, that's a beautiful person that God made. You see the glory in creation. There is beauty in it without excuse. We know there is a creator because of creation. It's plain to them. No one has excuse. So if that's true, and it is, why, why do we have such a problem of trying to take the position of God? It tells us so much in, in verse uh, 21. Let's read what it says. For although they knew God, they did not, what, honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Why? What's a spiritual issue behind our lack of acknowledging God is we don't want to honor him and we don't want to thank him. It's because if there is a God and he is a creator and he is good, he's a creator and sustainer, what does that mean? He is he deserves all honor and glory. You know what that means for you? You don't. We don't. We don't like that. We like to think that we deserve honor and glory. We, we're glory-hungry thieves. That's why we don't want there to be a creator. See, God is great, and he is good, and he is powerful. He is sovereign. He is loving. He is just. And we're made to honor him. But we, we, we want to, to honor ourselves. That's our sin nature. We want to take the position of God. And not only that, we don't want to thank him. This is worship. Did you know that you should be the, we should be just full of gratitude? Know why? Because we have done nothing. And you're like, well, that's overstated. No, you've done nothing. Who created you? God. Who sustains you? God. The air that you breathe, God. Heartbeat, God. Everything that you have, God. Your business, God. Your kids, God. All of it, what? God. God is gracious. How often do you thank God? See, the reason why we don't like to do that, that makes us dependent. That makes us, that makes us be able to take credit. All that is is plagiarism. That's what we do. We, we, we take what is God's and it's like, well, look what I did. Did you? You didn't. You didn't. But we don't like to thank him. When's the last time that, man, you just said thank you to God for the things in your life? It shows your heart. It shows your heart. It shows who we're worshiping, who we, who, 
who we're looking for life because we are actually dependent, insufficient uh, human beings, but our spiritual reality is we want to believe that we, we have. It says we have a darkened heart. That's a spiritual reality of, it's, it's a worship war, and we'll get more to that here in a second. Now, the question is, why do we do that? Is again, it's a worship war, but in our darkened hearts, we don't want it to be God. So there is a God. We recognize there is a God. We suppress the truth. In the heart of hearts, Psalm 14, verse 1, helps us uh, about this darkened heart, and hopefully by the Spirit of God, you have a, 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 a lightened heart, a live heart, as, as we talk about Jesus. As the fool says what in his heart? A fool. Like, this is clearly not true. Where does he say it? In his mind? No. He knows there's a God. Where does he say it? In his heart, there is no God. He didn't want to believe it. Why? Because they don't want to have, a, they, they want to be authority. We want to take the place of God. And how this plays out of taking the place of God is that we now are looking for life. We are made to be, we are, we are worshipers. We are. We, all, we always worship. If we're not worshiping God, you know what we're worshiping? Something else. We are made to find life in, in God. Our hearts are made for God, but if we're not finding God, we will try to find it in the things of this world. That's taking the place of God. It's trying to find, it's trying to find life in God's good creation apart from God. It says this in verse 24. What does it look like to exalt yourself? It says this in verse uh, 24. Therefore, God gave them up in their lust. This is an over-desire, really usually for good things, of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because what? They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served creature rather than, uh, than the creator. That is, the, <laughs> this is what we do. We, this is one reason I was so excited to gather this morning. And Lord, when you are always excited to gather on Sunday, is that we are in a worship battle. And every time we are not worshiping God, it doesn't mean that we cease to worship. We're simply worshiping creation. We over-desire God good, God's good gifts and not the God behind the gifts. So we make anything a God thing. And it's always good things, or usually good things. And we're, it's simply we're trying to find life, and what you worship shapes you. And so when you worship the things that are creation, man, it shapes you. And listen, if you're not using it under God's design, it will destroy you and others. I have, I've listed, I, have, I could go 10 deep at least, how we trade the worship of creator for creation and how it destroys us and others. One, Food. Is food a good thing? Well, yes, it's a great thing. Why? Because it, well, that's how you live. If you didn't know that, you didn't have food, you'd die. And is, is, is um, food, food not only sustains you, but it tastes great. It's joyful. It can be worshipful. Now, if you're trying to find life in food, if you worship food, what's going to happen? It's going to kill you. You're going to have high cholesterol, probably have diabetes. You're going to have obesity. Why? You're simply trying to take God's good creation, make it a God thing, and that thing that was mo- meant to bless you is now going to destroy you. You see how that works? We can go with money. Is money a good or bad thing? What's well, a good thing? We are made uh, to, have, to steward God's stuff, even money, and we're, you're supposed to use money not only to say thank you, God, for how you provide for us, but to bless others. But when you make it a God thing, it destroys you, and others. I mean, you, everyone thinks they need more money. Who's like, oh, I got enough. No one ever thinks that. Why? Because we're greedy. We think more money will bring us life. I, I just, there's so many people I know that have huge houses, 
Huge square footage. Behind that square footage is broken homes. Why? Because it can't bring life. It can't bring what you're looking for. And our idea is like, oh, bring this shalom. If we just had more acreage or if there's more square footage or whatever you think it is, like it'd be a happy spot. No, you're still there. It's not, it's not going to bring what you're looking for. Money, it was meant to bless people. I'm, I'm just going to talk on a logical sense. If you have enough money and someone else is in need, right? <laughs> Would it be logical to help someone who needs, who needs something? Well, yeah. Everyone's like, well, who, who wouldn't do that? Well, we do that all the time. We try to get bigger cars, bigger houses, bigger whatever. We see people in need all the time and say, you know what? It's all good. Logically, that makes no sense, and no one signed up for it. Spiritually, we do it all the time. Why? Because we worship money at the expense of other people. Um, alcohol. Is alcohol a bad thing? No. No, it's a gift. Now, if you overindulge in alcohol, it's a horrible thing. Alcohol leads to destruction of your body, destruction of your relationships. I mean, there is a reason why there is, AA is going very strong, right? There's a worship of alcohol that will destroy you. Uh, sex is a gift from God. Between a man and woman, gift from God, but we make it a God thing. We look, we look for life and pleasure and power and sex, and it, we, we totally ruin God. It's a good gift. I mean, under the confines of marriage, it is joyful, it is fun, you can create, I mean, it's an amazing gift. Now, outside of God's context, we destroy others. I mean, destroy humanity. Why? Through God's gift. It's, it's worshiping creation. I wrote down kids. Uh, kids are, man, blessing a gift from God. They're not God. You try to make them your little, your little, righteousness and proof the world that you matter, you will destroy them and yourselves. And you see that all the happen that happening all the time <laughs> in kids' sports and everything else. No matter how kids your how well kid, your kids do, you won't you won't feel satisfied. And furthermore, there's also this kind of that helicopter parents like, well I'm gonna I'm gonna make their mind pure. You're not. You just can't. You know why? Because sin's in them. They're in them. So you can't protect them enough. What they need to do is understand their sin nature and proclivity to try to be God and how they need Jesus. Do you see the gifts and how we try to find the life when we worship them? Health, I mean, like I said, I got a list. It, health is a, is a good thing. It's a gift from God. But man, if you over, overemphasize your health, you know what's eventually going to happen? Is you're, you're, we're all on this trajectory of decay. Because of Jesus, we're going to have eternal life, resurrected life. Praise God that he defeated death. But you're dying in your present form. And it's only a matter of time before you, your body betrays you. And I think so many times people are like young, they wake up, it's like, oh, good night. I got high blood pressure. Oh, good night. This is going on. It's like, this is going to happen. But if you worship your health, uh, it's going to betray you. Now, all forms of injustices in this world have come simply by worshiping the created of the creator. Because if we go to the creator and use his creation under design, when we say thank you, we honor him, we, we're stewards of those things. It's the exaltation of self that leads to your destruction and others. That's our sin nature. Now, verses 18 through 25 is the, the, the description of and weightiness of the destruction of sin, culture, God's world. And it all happens by exaltation of self, another way to put that is sin is us trying to take the place of God. If you want to know your biggest problem is you trying to take the place of God, because of that, 
all forms of ungodliness has not flowed through culture, but through you, and you and I deserve the wrath of God. We deserve the wrath of God. Now, what's the good news? And that's part of the whole book of Romans is the, the gospel is God taking the place of man. See, sin is us taking the place of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news is God came down and took the place of man, that he bore our wrath. He took our judgment. He bore our sin. That, that, that the penalty of sin has been paid for in full. It's not that we're not guilty. We are, but he has paid for our debt. And we're declared justified. We are, we are set free from sin. We're not defined by what we've done or think or will do, but we're defined by what Jesus Christ has done. It talks about this in Philippians 2, verse 8 and 9. We'll talk more about in Romans. But in being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, obedient to, to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ is Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, becoming man, humbling himself, born of a virgin, walking as a human, dying in our place to absorb the righteous wrath of God so we could be free from sin, free from guilt, made alive in Christ. It's not until we, we exalt ourselves to try to be God. What's God's response? He humbles himself to take our place. That should melt your heart. It, that, that, that brings light into your dark heart, and it will change your affection, which you need more than any, any, anything. You and I over, have an over-desire for creation because we're trying to find life. When you see the beauty of the gospel, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will come and change our desire, not for creation, but for creator. You'll worship him in spirit and truth. The way that we got into this mess is worship. The way that we get out of this mess that we're in is by worship, which you need more than anything is to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, to believe that you're forgiven, to believe that you're not guilty, to believe that there is no more condemnation for Jesus Christ, to believe that there's power and victory in Jesus Christ, to believe that he is worthy of our praise. And as you worship him, listen, you'll become like him. If you worship creation, You'll become lifeless and dead just like creation. On a trajectory of decay, that's what Scripture says. Listen to the contrast is what, what it says in verse uh, 20, 25. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. The creator who is blessed forever, amen. See, God being creator, he is a good, happy God. He's worthy of our praise. And as we, as we worship God who is worthy of our praise, man, his worth will start to define us. It'll change us from the inside out. See, we need to worship God in our minds, our hearts, and our lives. We need to take our thoughts captive and start to worship who God is to reorient our affections to God. It says this in Psalm 115, one through nine, and Lord, one, we'll get to practice it here in just a second. Not to us, O Lord. This is the spirit of God. Not to us, O Lord. Not to us, but your name give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness, why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Now look at the contrast. Their idols are silver and gold. This is created things. The work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. Eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. 
feet but do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them, those who worship creation become like them. So do all who trust in them. So we get to reorient our trust. Oh, Israel, trust in the Lord. Reorient your trust, your allegiance, your affections to the Lord. His steadfast love endures forever. He is their help and their shield. I mean, we have an opportunity this morning to worship God in spirit and truth, to remind our, our minds, our hearts, who is God and who do we worship? And as you worship him, you'll be changed by him. I was even just praying after the, the first gathering. I was like, I, the truth is I can't change myself. There's things I don't like about myself. I don't know if that's about you. And I can't change it, but God can as I worship him, as I remember who he is. He's my redeemer. He'll bring me out of death into life because that's what he does. We get to practice that as we surrender to him. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us respond by worshiping that you're the creator who's worthy of our praise. Help us believe in who you say you are, that your steadfast love endures forever, that you are merciful, that you are kind, that you're long-suffering, that you're a redeemer, that you are life, that you are the one who gives peace. You're the one who gives joy. You're the one who gives purpose. Help us take our affection off of your world and look to the creator behind it and that we would worship you not only spirit and truth, but also good stewards of your creation saying you're the one behind that. Help us by your, by your spirit, make us alive to spiritually see who you are and respond, respond by faith. Help us worship. We ask that in Jesus' name, amen.